0: The scripture that I have chosen uh, for this morning, for our message set free from inner wounds, comes from Paul's second letter to the Christians who live in Corinth, the first chapter of these verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you the patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be found acceptable in you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have been in the ministry for about 45 years now, about 25 as a pastor, and in that process I have talked to an awful lot of people. In fact, this last week I talked to even more people. In those times, I've learned some basic truths about life. I want to share two of those truths with you to begin this morning. Truth number one is this. Just about everybody has a hidden wound. Just about everybody, and I'm saying even here in this building this morning, just about everybody has an emotional scar from the past that still hurts, and it still hurts in a serious way. That's one truth. The second truth is this. Emotional scars generally take a lot longer to heal than physical wounds. But friends, I'm also here today to announce to you the good news. The good news is this. Jesus wants to heal the hidden wounds in your life, and you can start the process of healing this morning if you haven't already started it. You can start with the God who is described in Exodus 15, 26. He talks about himself. He calls himself Jehovah Rapha that's the Hebrew Jehovah Rapha it means I am the God who heals in fact he says I am the God who heals you of every disease inside and outside in Psalm 147 verse 3 he says God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds there are those among us today who are brokenhearted and who have been brokenhearted for a long time. There are those among us this morning who have been wounded internally for a long time. But God says, I can take care of that. Well, you might be asking, well, how does God do that? How does God take care of the stuff that's inside? How do I have my hidden wounds healed? Well, I've got good news for you today, because in our scriptures, in the Bible, God gives us five healing processes. Here's step number one. If you want to have your internal wounds healed, you need to reveal your hurt. It's just that simple. Tell somebody about it. In Psalm 39, there's a very interesting description of people who kind of hold on to their hurt. They internalize it. They bury it deep down so nobody ever sees it. But listen to what the psalmist says in chapter 39, verse 2. He says, I've kept very quiet about it but I become even more upset. I became very angry inside, and as I thought about it, my anger burned. See, what David or whoever wrote this Psalm was saying is that holding on to hurts is kind of like carrying hot coals in your heart. You're the one that gets burned. Hidden wounds don't heal, friends. Hidden wounds just fester. Hidden wounds then cause all sorts of problems in people's lives. I'm going to give you a couple examples. Some of you here are tired all the time. Now, I can say that because you're probably pretty typical of most people in America. You're just tired all the time. One cause, one cause of constant fatigue is using up emotional energy. Using up emotional energy on things like resentment and grudges and guilt and and grief of your past. You spend so much energy dealing with the past that you have absolutely no energy left to deal with the present. Again, in Psalm 32, verse 3, it says, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside, and I moaned all day long. I also know something else about a crowd this size, because you and I live in a sinful world I have no doubt whatsoever that some of you sitting here this morning listening to me have been abused. You've been abused in some fashion by some people at some point in your life. And you know, when that happens, people respond to that in a wide variety of ways. Some people just try to forget it. You know, out of sight, out of mind is what they say. Some people try to run away from it. And they run away by getting drunk or they do drugs or they they sleep in beds that they ought not to be in, all kinds of nonsense like that. Some people try to just ignore it. Some people try to pass it off by blaming other people. That It had nothing to do with me. That's them. There are some people who try to cover it up by feeling guilty or by somehow thinking that, well, it was my fault. But friends, when you do that, it's kind of like taking a a, a Dr. Pepper and shaking it up. Sooner or later, when the lid comes off, you're going to explode, and you're going to explode all over everybody. So step number one, I want to urge you today, is you got to be honest. And you have to be honest with at least three different people. You need to be honest with yourself. There's nothing wrong whatsoever with saying, hey, this hurt. This stinks. I didn't like it. This is me. I'm going to give you an example. I'm an adult child of alcoholics. I come from a long line of alcoholics. I know what that's like living in a family where people drink. I'm also out of a broken family. My parents were divorced at a very young age. I got to tell you, that hurts. It hurts in ways that you wouldn't think. My father also spent all of my growing up years in prison. It's no fun being labeled as a child of a jailbird. It's no fun having people say, you're no different than your father. You're going to grow up and be just like him. Once a gangster, always a gangster. You know, sometimes we just plain simple need to own our problems and say, look, this is me. I don't like it. It hurts. I'm ashamed of it. I'm not over it yet. That's a good place to start. I know enough about alcoholism to know that the very first step is to step up and say, hi, my name's Barry. I'm an alcoholic. By the way, I'm not. I'm just using it as an example. (laughs) I don't want any parking lot conversations today. (laughs) The second thing you need to do is be honest with God. You know, God already knows you're hurt, but you'd be surprised how many people don't think God noticed. You know, God saw it when you got hurt. God grieved with you when you got hurt. It's not going to surprise God if you actually uh, get honest with him about the pain in your life or the shame in your life. But there's a third group of people that you ought to talk to. The Bible says that you ought to learn to be honest with at least one other person you trust. And I'm saying it's one other Christian person you trust. Uh, You need to tell somebody who's got skin and bones, and and if you don't really feel that you have somebody in your life that you can trust, I'm going to offer myself. I just say, try me. But you've got to start the healing process by admitting it to yourself, talking to God, and talking to somebody else. Here's step number two if you're going to be set free from your inner wounds, and that is to release the people who have hurt you. So you can't get well as long as you are harboring resentment. I mean, that's why you need to learn, learn to let go and let go of the right of getting even. You know, one of the most difficult questions I think I ever had to answer in my life was this one. Do I want to get well or do I want to get even with the people who hurt me? Now, you need to decide your answer to that question because you don't have enough emotional energy to do both of those. See, getting even will not take away your pain. Some of you have tried that. You know it didn't work. You didn't solve the problem. You still got your pain. And see, friends, there is only one way to get beyond that, It's called forgiveness. And yet, you know, every time I bring up forgiveness with somebody who's been hurt by somebody else, I get the same reply, maybe what some of you are thinking this morning. You're saying to yourself, that's easy for you to say, but this person who hurt me, they don't deserve to be forgiven. And you know something, friends? You're right. But neither do you. You don't de- deserve to be forgiven. And guess what? God forgave you anyway. Now, I've just been down with a bunch of guys, 88% of them, who are serving life sentences for some of the most heinous crimes you can imagine. People need to learn to forgive, not because they deserve it. You forgive for your own sake. You can't get a lot ahead in your life as long as you're stuck in the past. See, the the person who is still controlling your life in the present, and some of you have that, people are controlling you today because of something that took place a long time ago. In in Romans chapter twelve, it says very simply, in verses seventeen and nineteen, never pay back evil for evil, never avenge yourself, leave that to God, for he has said that he will repay those that deserve it. See the reason you and I get into such a train wreck in our life sometimes is because we forget that God saw it all. We forget that God actually cares about it. We forget that God is actually a God of justice. See, when we forget that, then you and I think we've got to take the matter into our own hands, that it's our duty somehow to settle the score with people. But that's not true. God says, I'll settle it. We need to learn to let God just balance the books. <coughs> You see, friends, you can either spend the rest of your life trying to do it yourself or you can just let God do it. And and, and to trust that God is the God of justice. Not a single thing has missed God's watchful eye in your life. God is going to remember it. And if God is going to remember all the hurts in your life, then guess what? You don't need to do it. You don't need to be spending all of your emotional energy thinking about it. Let God take care of it. And if some of you are sitting there saying, well, God wouldn't understand my hurts, I have one response to that, ha, (laughs) that's my my response to that, baloney, you don't think God understands abuse? He had six wounds before he died, he had a head wound, he had a face wound, he had back wounds from whipping, he had hand wounds, feet wounds, he had a side wound where they stuck a spear in him, that's just physical abuse. But the deepest wounds that Jesus had are some of the wounds some of you have experienced. It's called betrayal. It's called being stabbed in the back. It's called abuse. It's called rejection. It's called hatred. You can call it injustice. You know something? Jesus could have blown all of those people away. He could have brought down legions of angels and smoked them with a lightning bolt out of heaven. But he didn't do it. Do you remember what Jesus did? He's hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why should we learn to forgive people who've hurt us? I can think of three pretty simple reasons. Number one, because God's forgiven you. Just that simple. Second, I have a sneaky feeling some of you are going to need forgiveness yourself in the future. Put me in that group. And by the way, it's the only way you are ever going to get well. It's the only way those hidden wounds will start healing. Now, some of you grew up in some interesting families. I grew up in an interesting family myself. Some of you had bitter parents or you had bitter grandparents, and they passed that resentment towards life on to you. You have a great opportunity to break that chain. You have a great opportunity to break that cycle that that God talks about, you know, the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Because I don't think any of you want to pass off some of the stuff you picked up from moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to your kids. I tell a lot of people, stop the misery. Stop the misery by revealing your hurt. Admit it. Talk to God about it. Talk to some other trusted Christian friend, and then just plain simple, learn to release those people who've hurt you. Forgive them even as God in Christ has forgiven you. There's a third part of that, and that is to replace the old tapes, the old memory tapes, with God's truth. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but your brain is like a tape recorder. Well, we don't hardly have tape recorders today, so for all the kids who don't know what a tape recorder is, your brain's like a DVR. They might, they might understand that one. Your brain has recorded every single experience that your five senses have ever experienced. It's recorded all of the good and the bad and the right and the wrong and the false and the true. But here's your problem. As good as your brain is, as good as this little human DVR is, it can't always and doesn't always distinguish between things that are true and things that are at As a result, there are some of you here this morning who are living your life based on faulty input. You've got faulty data st- stored in your head. I mean, some of you grew up and you heard people say, you're stupid. You heard people say, you're ugly. You heard people say you're never going to amount to anything you had people say i'm embarrassed to call you my child or my wife or my husband or whatever they said you're uncoordinated you're too fat you're too skinny why can't you be like your brother why can't you be like your sister and guess what all of that stuff went into that tape recorder into that dvr and here we sit today, 5 years, 10 years, 20, some of you are 50 years later, you're still acting on old tapes, and you wonder why you always have train wrecks in your life. You've got to replace those tapes with the truth, and it's God's truth. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, how does God do that? How does God change the way a person thinks? Let me suggest three pretty quick. One of them is pray. Why not just pray that God would erase the memories of your life? God can do that. Fill your mind with God's word. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If all you got is falsehood in here, maybe you need to download a little scripture And see, when you start building your life on the word of life, on the word of truth, it starts forcing all the bad tapes out. The third thing you can do is just plain simple believe the truth about yourself. I believed a lot of people's truth about me growing up. And it took me a while to figure out what the real truth was. You know what God's real truth is about every last single person here this morning? You can read it in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I'm going to read it to you from the new, uh, new century version. It says this: Through what Christ would do for us, God decided to make us—that's you and me—holy in His eyes, without a single fault. We stand before Him, covered with His love. That's who you are, friends. That's how God sees you. Once you step across the line, once you come through baptism or walk the aisle, or well, I don't care how you come to uh, become a Christian. God takes everything you've ever done, he's taken all of your guilt, all of your regrets, all the shame, all the hurts, and he says we can start over. How many people would like to start over? I wouldn't mind starting over a lot of time. You know, there's a lot of do-overs in life. We get a lot of (laughs) do-overs. Don't you wish you could every once in a while hit the pause button, hit erase, and do your life over again? I mean, who are you going to listen to in this life? Liars, lunatics or the lord i mean the bible says that when you're in christ you're valuable you're acceptable he says you're lovable he says you're forgivable he says you're capable and he says you're usable so the question is who are you going to believe who are you going to believe liars lunatics or the lord So you got to start replacing those old tapes with the truth of god now that's a long process but guess what it can be done Here's the fourth thing you need to do, and that's to refocus on the future. See, when you refocus on the future, you get your attention off of the past. And you start moving to where God wants you to go. See, this is one of the real problems with a lot of counseling today. Uh, I hate referring people to non-Christian counselors. I might on occasion if I think they're good. But, you know, the problem with a lot of counseling today is that they have a lot of popular therapies where they attempt to deal with the healing of memories by regressing or digging into your past. They go into your past and they drag out all of this garbage, but you, they can sometimes get you so focused on your past that you get stuck in the past and you can't deal with the present, let alone the future. I really wish I'd have put this Bible passage in your, uh, in your notes today, and I apologize for not doing it. But I want to encourage you to study on, on a Bible verse this week because here's all the counseling you need. It comes in the book of Job, believe it or not. And if you got your Bibles, it's Job 11, verses 13 to 16. Here's your steps of refocusing on the future. It says, and I'm going to read it, first of all, from a different version. I'm going to go to the NIV. But it says, put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. This is the NIV. It says, Yet if you will devote your heart to him, stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then you will lift up your face without shame, you will stand firm and without fear, you will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters go by. Isn't that a great verse? I mean, it says, first of all, just to put your heart right. That means... Give up your right to get even. Release people who have hurt you. Forgive them. And get your heart right with God. Then it says reach out to God. I mean, that's to ask Jesus to come into your life and to begin healing your hidden wounds. Ask him to start bringing good out of all the evil that's happening. Stop focusing on yourself and instead start focusing on Jehovah Rapha. Start focusing on the God who can heal you because God is the answer. He's the only answer. The third thing is, it says, face the world again. I mean, don't pull yourself back in a shell. Stop saying you're a victim. I mean, I hate that about our country today. I, I, I don't want to get political or whatever, but I just hate that. We are a country of victims. We're always being victimized. Everybody's out to get us. I mean, come on, folks, build a bridge and get over it already. I mean, stuff that happens to you is stuff that you choose to do, most of it. I mean, deal with God. I mean, just don't pull back and say everybody's out to get you. Nobody cares that much about most people anyway to come out and get you. Yeah, let's get back to the message. I'm going get worked up over this stuff. <laughs> Friends, my past, and I got a past. I mean, when somebody told me a number of years ago, you're just a gangster, that's all you are, and that's all you'll ever be, he was dead on. I have a past. But see, my past is not my future that was then this is now resentment is what binds you to perpetuating the past that's why you need to reveal your hurt that's why you need to release people who offended you that's why you need to replace your old truths with god's truth that's why you need to refocus on the future and when you do that then you can do like the book of proverbs says proverbs chapter 425 it says look straight ahead with honest confidence don't hang your head with shame so you're never going to get well by yourself. If you could have, you would have. I mean, how do you spell relief? Some people spell relief S-E-X, sex. Some people spell it D-R-U-G-S, drugs. Some people spell relief B-E-E-R, another beer and I'll be relieved. Some people spell sex P O R. N-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y, pornography. I suggest you learn how to spell relief, J-E-S-U-S. See, all the world gives you is temporary painkillers. Let me tell you something about temporary painkillers. They don't last, they're addicting, and they don't work. So when you come down from that high... When you come down from that affair, when you come down from that fling or whatever you're trying to do to mask your, all, all of this nonsense in your life, you're still lonely, you're still ashamed, you still feel bitter, you still feel angry, you still feel worthless, I say stop the quick fixes, go to the only fix that works, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Now the question is if you do that. Let's say you go through steps one through four how would you know when you start to be healed how would you know what that feels like well that's the last thing i want to tell you today and that is you reach out to help other people you reach out to help other people in other words you redeem your pain i may have shared this story with you already i i I really don't remember but you know being a child who grew up in a broken family and lived through the pain of divorce and You know, a lot of kids who go through that somehow, even though mom and dad say, oh, it's got nothing to do with you, uh, they're looking at you and they're saying, hey, that's what you think. Just keep yapping, mom and dad. We know that's not true. But they own it, and they think if they would have been better, and if they'd have done this, mom and dad would have stayed together, and yada, yada, yada. Been there, done that. I always wondered why God would use that in my life. And I, I think I got over that. I admitted the fact that I came out of a broken family. Uh, I got past the point of blaming my mother or my father for it. But I think I was still, you know, hanging on to a little bit of it. I, I honestly think I'd been through the first four steps. But there was still a little bit hanging on me. And I remember the day when our principal of our grade school, Emmanuel in Belvedere, brought this little girl to me. And she wouldn't stop crying. She was about third or fourth grade. And I thought, you yeah, there's no crying in church. Yeah, you know, why bring a little girl to me that's crying? What am I going to do with it? And I said, okay, bring her down. And she sat there, and I said, what's your problem? She says, ah, nobody, I don't want to tell anybody. And I said, well, do you think you got a problem that I'm too stupid to understand? And she said, yeah, probably. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, I may not know your problem, but I said, I want you to tell me what your problem is. She says, my mommy and daddy are getting a divorce. And I said, and you think nobody else has ever had that happen to them before? And she said, yes. And I said, here, sweetheart. And I took her face, tipped it up. I said, I want you to look at me. And I said, me too. It happened to me too. And she said, you, Pastor? I said, yep, me too. She said, well, you didn't turn out so bad. And I said, guess what? You won't either. And it was at that point when I shared what God had done for me that I think I began to heal almost completely from that past wound. See, the way you do this, you you use your experiences to help other people. That's called ministry. And I think God, had, you know, God allows us to go through some terrible things in our life, but I think he can also take our pain and use it for other people's good. I read to you before from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, it says God comforts us every time we have trouble. Why? So that when other people have trouble, we can comfort them with the same comfort we ourselves have received from God. Though some of you know what it feels like to lose a loved one. You've lost a child or a daughter. You've lost a mom or a dad, a grandma or grandpa. Some of you have gone through the experience of dealing with aged parents or aging parents. Some of you have had wayward children. Guess what? I mean, God isn't going to wish that on anybody, but God says, I can redeem that. And when you go through those steps, you get down to the point to say, I can help one more person by sharing with them what God did for me in this case. That's really freeing. That's really healing. I mean, so you want to start over? Well, it's possible. 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, When someone becomes a Christian, he's a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. See, what God is saying, I'm going to erase everything. Let's put new tapes in the tape recorder. Now, some of you have started the process. You've accepted Jesus in your heart. I hope you've moved beyond the fact that Jesus is just your Savior. Sad to say, a lot of people who populate the pews today, they've only got as far as Jesus is their Savior. They know he died on the cross. They know if they believe in him, their sins are forgiven. But they've not yet made Jesus Lord of their life. That means they're willing to cut off all of that stuff that so easily entangles them in life. But see, once you got past the point where you accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, the next thing you've got to start doing is revealing your hurt. Give it up. Don't hang on to it anymore. Release people who've offended you. Learn to apologize. Learn to seek forgiveness. I never had the chance to do that while my father was living, but I tell you, the Bible says, insofar as is possible with you. I can remember releasing that as I stood in front of his casket at the very first funeral I ever did when I buried my father. And to say, I can't ask for forgiveness. I can't get forgiveness for him. But you know what I can do is I can say to my Father in Heaven, I release that. I forgive it. I don't want to carry that nonsense anymore. Some people, some of you this morning, may still be living in your old life. Even though God has given you the power to start a brand new life. See, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that resident, president, all of us can be set free. We really can be set free. It doesn't make any difference who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what the scar. It doesn't matter what the sin. It doesn't matter how you fell. It doesn't make any difference how you feel. Very simply, with Jehovah Rapha, There is healing. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you can heal broken hearts, that you heal bitter memories, that you heal damaged self-esteem. Thank you, Father, that patterns can be erased and reversed, but, Lord, we need to remember only you can do it. Thank you that self-defeating lifestyles can be halted and new lives can begin again. Thank you that you turn nobodies into somebodies. Thank you by faith and enable us to start taking these initial steps. Help us to admit the things that have hurt us to ourselves and to you and to another godly person. Thank you for bringing us to a safe place where we can do this. Today, Father, as Christ followers, we want to begin the healing process. That healing process may be individual. It may be even the healing process as a church. But we're going to, need, to help, need your help to stop focusing on getting even or being angry or being frustrated. Instead, we need to focus on getting well. We need your help and the help of other people to release people who've hurt us and to replace those old tapes with your truth. Father, we want to refocus on the future and your plan and your purpose for our life. And then we look forward to the day that we are so healed that we'll be able to help other people the way we're trusting you to help us right now. In your name, in the precious name of Jesus, Jehovah Rapha, amen. Well, friends, as we gather our tithes and offerings this morning, there's also a uh, a song of response. It's song number 846. Uh, Don't forget to sign those little... um, I don't know what you call them, red folders that are in your pew. It's a good way of figuring out who's here. Uh, When they come by, if you don't know the person that's got the name ahead of you, take the time to greet them after the service. But let's gather our tithes and offerings and let's sing.